0: Episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. Leave a five star review while you're there. Did you know there's an easy way to support the podcast and keep the show going? BuyMeAcoffee.com is a incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is, you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com blocktalk and keep block talk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheInvenNow.com for its latest news, reviews, and interviews. She sings, she jokes, she's got a glam award. I don't. It's drag queen
1: extraordinaire,
0: Tammy Spanks. Hello. Holy crap. Hi. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. I was going to say fantastic and then I edited that too. I'm all right. Yeah, all right.
0: <laughs> Honestly, the way the world's going right now, all right, is, it's actually okay. It's fine to be all right.
1: No, if you're not, if, if you have, if it hasn't all crumbled, you haven't reached the end yet. Some Something exactly. some kind of like that.
0: Well, how, how, how has 2022 been for you so far?
1: 2022 uh, has been okay. I haven't spent my winters on the East coast in a couple of winters. So I'm kind of reacclimating myself to the cold weather. So that alone has kind of been a pain. Um yeah. and I've I've switched things up a little bit with you know where I I'm, I'm kind of splitting my time between Long Island and New York City right now so that that's been a whole other thing to navigate but it's going well it's good um you know just doing the drags and having a great time living the dream yeah
0: well, i excited. You? How's your year been? I, oh, oh, it's 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 been all right. I mean, I I'm still in New Jersey. I just had my um hopefully my last procedure, so I can get back to normal because I've been in New Jersey for the past year because uh, I haven't had full mobility to walk and everything. And people people think I'm an asshole and haven't been <laughs> showing up to gigs. I'm like, no, I haven't been there.
1: That's why. I oh seen wow. Well, so I, I didn't had, know. I knew something was going on, but I'm not really a nosy person. So I yeah, I I've had questions. some
0: um back in nerve issues so i haven't had full mobility to walk and everything and you know walking five blocks in new york took it out of me so i, I couldn't oh my gosh but i had an well, amazing couple i hope weeks you're there. feeling better yeah I'm, i think i'm almost there uh, for me all i care about is if i can in may go to disney if i can walk disney then everything's better that's that's <laughs> all that matters to me
1: but yeah Funny if we I, gotta throw you on one of those scooters i'm sure that will be fine too
0: i i have i have heard that option um my dear friend Casey Bagnall said that I should do that. And I said, I will literally knock children over because I want to get to the ride. So I don't think that's the best idea. Unless there's like really 20 good. points attached to each kid you knock over. I don't know if that's that's so good for well, me. Well, there's but... always
1: 20 points attached
0: to children. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast and learn all about you and have the listeners learn about you. So we're going to start you. from the beginning. Where are you from?
1: So I am originally from Ohio. I grew up in the Northeast Ohio, like Akron, Cleveland area. Mm -hmm. And I went to college in Dayton, Ohio. I went to musical theater school at Wright State University, which was an incredible program, by the way. Um, If any young listeners are looking for a great theater program. Um, And I've been in New York now for going on 12 years.
0: That's amazing. So Ohio, what what were you like living in Ohio as a kid?
1: Well, uh, it was, I, I always say this, I'm, I'm happy I was from Ohio. At the time, I couldn't wait to get out. Um, you know, I grew up in kind of a really small, a small town in Ohio. It's actually the village. It's called the village of Doyle Town. So I grew up in a really small town, uh, you know, lots of farms, lots of cows. My high school had 500 kids in it, and my graduating class had 65 people. All right, So all right. very, very small. Um, but, you know, I kind of, I grew up in that town. I, I got interested in performance and theater really young. I, I started, I think I started in choir when I was in, like, seventh grade, and that kind of just snowballed into doing theater, and I was in band, you know, all the gay things. I did all the gay things. Um, But it was fine. Uh, You know, I grew up, I grew up pretty poor in Ohio, didn't really, didn't really have anything. And I just always kind of knew that I, I knew that I was going to have to get out of there kind of thing. Um, So that's kind of where it all started. And then I, I kind of just built, built my life from scratch, really, when I started college when I was 18. And from then on, it's just been a wild journey.
0: I I, I've only been to Ohio a couple of times uh for I think for my class trips uh for band we went to Cleveland for that that was our big class trip we went to Cleveland um obviously got to uh uh go to Cedar Point which is I'm a huge theme park person so oh my god Cedar
1: Point is well I grew up um I grew up and had I was at Cedar Point every summer so you know when I moved to New York it was there. There obviously wasn't much around, and even now to this day, I've been to Six Flags a few times, and it is a really great park. But yeah. when you grow up on like the Millennium Force, it's kind of right. hard to, it's kind of hard to match anything. But I will say Six Flags Great Adventure in Jersey is a great time, and every time I go, I get the shit scared out of me. So I <laughs> guess it doesn't stop. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's a fun place. But other than that, for me, the only times I really in Ohio is passing through my brother went to school um at the University of Michigan so we always would drive through the state
1: of Ohio to get there um yeah it's very you know it's very boring what I will say about Ohio is the the arts programs in Ohio Mm -hmm. it's very very art enriched you know they're they're really Mm -hmm. great a lot of great theater schools music schools Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are in Ohio so I was Lucky in that sense that I kind of had uh, had that going on around me for a long time.
0: So how did you catch the theater bug? What was it that got you involved in theater?
1: Well, I was actually in band first. So I was, I was in band in middle school very early. And I always loved to sing, but I basically got recruited to be in choir in like seventh grade. And uh, my choir director just, you know, she kind of... She kind of grabbed grabbed all the kids that she had an inkling might need to belong there. So that's kind of how I got into choir. And then from then I did my first stage production in seventh grade. And from then I just started doing school plays. And then when I got to high school, my freshman year of high school, I actually did my first professional theater production. So I started working outside of my school um actually in Cleveland was my was my first professional theater job I had but I started working outside of school and once I started doing that I started meeting you know kids from all over the place because it, I was doing community theater I was doing regional theater so I was really building a network of people a lot older to you know a lot older a lot of other high school kids from different areas in Ohio So that was really what I think I became more addicted to. I loved performing, of course, but it it was really about building a new community of people because, like I said, I was from a really small town. So it was nice to get to know kids outside of my school. And I knew that I was lucky to do that because there was only one or two other kids in my whole school that did anything like that. So I always had friends from other places in the state and you know, I, I always say I was friends with people when I was 16 that were like in their mid-20s or in college or in okay. their 30s. And so I always, I always really gravitated towards like an older crowd. And um, I would say that's kind of how it really took off from there. And then once I was in high school working, doing regional theater and community theater, I was just like, well, this was obviously what I had to go to school for. So, <laughs> so in college, the- was
0: it a um, musical theater-based, theater-based? What what kind of degree was it?
1: Yeah, so I have a, 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 it's a BFA, a new school theater. So we, we were basically, we were a conservatory program set up. It was like being a conservatory, but we didn't have a conservatory status. So I still okay. had to do all the gen eds and everything. But the thing that was really cool about my theater department in Ohio was that what drew me to that school was they did so many shows every year. So we did like eight productions a year there. Awesome. so the opportunity to perform a lot was was kind of you know pretty much guaranteed from the top and I'm a firm believer especially with theater programs you know like if you the only way to learn how to really do it and be a star is to have the practice and absolutely. so that that was why I loved that program and um I, like I said, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's still a wonderful program. They recently just completely renovated the whole creative arts center there and which I'm jealous of. I haven't been back to see, so I'm hoping to get to do that this year. Um, but it was a great program and it launched me right into New York city, you know, and and into some really awesome jobs. So was New York
0: the destination for you or did you have other ideas like Chicago or LA?
1: Well, I think when you're a theater student and you're in a program and you know that you are going to be launched somewhere, we all kind of had the talks of like, where are you going to go? But the only place that we had like a senior showcase set up was New York City. And I had only visited New York one time before I moved there. So I knew, I kind of just knew, and I had an interesting situation. I actually ended up leaving school we were on quarters back then they don't do that anymore which means I guess I'm old now but we were on quarters then and so I ended up leaving a quarter early because I got I still to this day a a dream job but I got cast in the international production of Hairspray with Royal Caribbean right when they took when they took it out on the first ship there Mm -hmm. so I actually left school a quarter early to take that contract so my first job right out of school was was doing Hairspray and I did that for just under a year. And so from there, it kind of just launched me right into Sorry. New York because I already had it. You know, I had already kind of started the commercial theater credit. So that's that. After that happened, it was like I knew for sure I was going to New York. Yeah, it, it
0: really is the, in my opinion, the right first place to start for for a theater student. Because uh, I went to school at Boston University for um, theater. I, my degree is in stage management. So I I, 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 I learned all the things for it for theater. Um, but I, I did a summer internship right after graduating at Williamstown. And okay. literally two weeks after that um, ended, I started working at Playwrights Horizons as an intern and oh, it didn't stop for a couple of years. And it, I, I was very lucky when I um, when I got there because I didn't work on like just like average shows. The first two shows i worked on was circle mirror transformation and claiborne park so oh, wow. i was pretty lucky i had a very lucky first year in new york honey she
1: hit the jackpot on the slot machine in the first mm-hmm. go that's how, that's how i felt and i remember actually i remember taking that contract and being like oh my god it's, it's all downhill from here yeah. like you know and i the thing i will say is now now there's theater everywhere on cruise ships they've really put that into the programming but when Hairspray was on it was the first it was the first ever of (laughs) musicals on cruise ships so it was still very much navigated but the thing that was cool was most of our cast were former Hairspray cast members from either the Vegas production the Broadway production Mm -hmm. so I was working as a 22 year old on these ships with established actors from New York already so I kind of really got like a great mentorship with them and I was also the youngest person in the cast playing the oldest person because I played Edna uh-huh. um so that was hilarious um but I've, I was so lucky for that and I still I mean still to this day I'm really good friends with a lot of people from that contract so I'm I'm happy for that launch board do you have a favorite port of call Ooh, yeah. I think my favorite port of call when we were, God, this is so long ago now, but when we, I, first of all, I'm obsessed with Mexico. I just, I love, I, I was all over Mexico. I love, love Mexico, but I think my favorite port was St. Martin um, mm-hmm. in the Virgin Islands because we had the option to go to the French side of the island every time we were there. So that was my favorite thing. Like the fact that you could be in two countries on the same island was really cool. And just, you know, the culture was different on each side. So nice. I, I liked St. Martin the most. It was the most adventurous for me.
0: So you played Edna. Was that your gateway into drag?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it really was for real. I dabbled in drag when I was in high school a bit. Um, as I was saying through when I was doing theater, I had a lot of friends that were older that uh, I used to work at this place. It's still going and lovely if you're in, um, if you're in Ohio, but the Canton Players Guild was a community theater that I spent a lot of time in when I was younger and met a lot of lovely people. Um, but I used to hang out with some of the older folks from there. And it's really kind of where I think my gay culture began because I obviously didn't have any gay culture in Doylestown, Ohio. I was like one of out two out gay kids in my whole school. Um, So I didn't really have a lot of culture to find there. So I think I got a lot of my culture from the people that I hung out with outside of the theater. And they, this specific group of people would, were were drag queens. And so they would introduce me, they, you know, I was going to the slurbs and seeing all the, seeing all the queens and, you know, the Ohio queens are fierce. It's very much that pageant drag. It's very, um, which, you know, is identifiable right away. So I grew up watching Ohio drag in high school and I dabbled in a little bit. I was put into drag a couple of times. Um, But I think doing Edna was my first time. I mean, I was in drag every week, uh, you know, doing my own makeup, doing all that. So that was really, yeah, that was definitely my first, like, full launch into drag, and I hadn't actually touched with drag that much. Um, and then it kind of came along a little later in New York. But
0: So let's talk about the origin story of your drag name. How did Tammy Spanx come to be?
1: Well, my government name is Tim. You can edit that out if you want. Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, my government name is Tim. And my friends over the years have just always called me Tammy. I, you know, I guess, uh, Tim, Tammy, whatever. Um, so I actually didn't have a last name in mind. And my drag experience was really, was really sort of special because I didn't start drag by just getting into drag. This was like, see, by the way, this was like season four of Drag Race. So I've been doing drag for, I guess, actually haven't counted in a long time, I guess like nine years in the city, almost a decade. Yeah. But when I started drag it was very early on. Drag race was still on logo. It hadn't taken over the world, you know. My freshman my freshman class, as we called it, of drag queens in New York was I started with Holly Box Springs, Britta Filter, Dusty Ray Bottoms, um, and that was kind of that was kind of my small little group. And from yeah. there, you know, we all kind of started working right away because there weren't a lot of girls and we all happened to be, we looked a little busted, but we, we were all really good performers. You know, we all came from performance backgrounds. So Holy. I think a lot of the season Queens in New York saw that in us. And so I was really lucky from the gate that I pretty much, as soon as I jumped in, I started, I started working with gigs. And so my, my coming up drag story in New York was really from just trial and error, you know. I don't. I don't have a drag mom. No one ever. No one like showed me how to do this. It was just kind of like jumping in and running with it and seeing what worked, seeing what didn't. Um. So that's really how it happened, and it. I. Me doing drag in New York was completely by chance, and uh, I was I was actually working trivia at a bar. Um, and do you remember Sonic Lounge in Astoria? back in the day. That's where I started drag, honey. All right. And uh, I was doing trivia there and the owner was just randomly like, yeah, we want to do, we want to have like a drag night on Saturday nights. Would you want to do the show? And I was like, well, uh, I'm not a drag queen, but uh, I was friends. I, I, I had really jumped out of the gate with drag with uh, Dusty Ray Bottom and I were really good friends from college. And, we were both sort of obsessed with drag race at the time. And I knew that that was something that I knew it was something that he wanted to get into. So I kind of went to him about it and was like, well, I don't do drag, but my friend. And so it was kind of from that point on, uh, we got wrangled into that and uh, we jumped into hosting the show. And from then it was just kind of trial and error. I sort of backed off for a little bit after static closed. Um, we had like a six month run there, I think, a nice long six month run. And uh, from there, it just just kind of went went forward. And then I started started singing in drag. I started doing a cabaret with one of my best friends, James O Black. Shout out to James O Black. He has shows throughout the city. Check him out. Um, but we started singing together. We went to college together as well. And so we've known each other for a really long time. And we always love making music together. And So that was kind of my next endeavor was sort of from the cabaret side of things. Uh, And then it just, you know, it just kind of moved in and one weekly turned into two and two turned into four. At one point I was doing six weeklies a week and probably a little too early to be doing six gigs a week. But um, you know, I've gone through the whole roller coaster of the ups and the downs and the
0: taking,
1: taking a little time off and, so it's been quite a journey, but, uh, I think after time you find out exactly what works for you and how it all, how it all shakes down in a good way for you. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the Facebook
0: name change because obviously, oh, wow. um, uh, that's not how I spell your, your drag name. is uh, it? It?
1: It's no, it's very confusing. It's a pain in my ass. Uh, I, when I started drag, I thought that I would be really, really cheeky and, I thought, this, this is also when drag queens were kind of being, getting in trouble on Facebook for their names. Do you remember this? Oh, they yeah. They were canceling people's accounts and all this stuff because they were saying that it wasn't their real identities and all this stuff. So when I created my drag name on Facebook, I spelled it S-P-E with an accent, a goo, N-K-S. And I thought that that was fancy and smart and someone lied to her several times. <laughs> and um so I did that, and then i I think like six years ago I had that name i had that spelled my name that way for probably like three years, and then I kind of realized after it was impossible for people to find me online over and over again that it just wasn't working. I was like this isn't this isn't brandable, this isn't easy for people to find me, so I changed the spelling to the brand name s b a n x which it just should have been from the beginning, but you know, baby drag queens can be dumb. Um, we love them anyway. Sure but, uh, so I changed I changed my spelling, and Facebook to this day just hasn't it hasn't let me change the spelling without deactivating my account. And so I'm just like, it's really not worth it. So if any techies out there that know anything about this situation, I really do want to change the spelling i also don't know if because it's like a a brand name if that's an issue i don't know what the problem is but it doesn't let me change but it is my the spelling of my name is s-p-a-n-s and that's my instagram handle and that's that's the real thing so
0: that's the truth you know how would you describe tammy in three words
1: trailer trash glamour oh i love that i love that (laughs) how long does it it take to
0: transform into tammy nowadays
1: I can do my makeup in an hour. Mm. I like to have 90 minutes. I like to have, I mean, I can take as long as I, as, if you give me three hours, I'll do, I'll do it in three hours. But I, I like, you know, it's more convenient to do it quicker these days. But I like to give myself I, from, from start to finish out the door dressed, ready to go. I like to have two hours. It makes me less stressed.
0: Do you have any traditions while you get ready?
1: I listen to podcasts a lot, actually. I love that. Yeah. Any
0: any, any specific ones? Well, Black Talk, of
1: course. Um, I also listen to uh, The Bald of the Beautiful with Trixie and Katya. I listen to Sibling Rivalry. I listen to The Daily. Um, I listen to a lot of I listen to some true crime podcasts. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Not another true crime podcast. uh, One of my friends podcast it's really great um but i i don't know I, I listen to a lot of randoms too like sometimes i'll just get in a mood and search for a podcast i i've never really listened to before
0: yeah that's how i am i, I i've definitely done that when it comes to true crime podcasts i'll just like yeah look at the true crime podcast list and I'll be like that sounds gruesome i'm in
1: well and i i look at ratings a lot too and reviews sometimes sure. before i sit down to spend time with one so you know, ratings and reviews are important. Um, they sure are. Uh, yeah, oh, believe me. <laughs> yeah, and I um yeah write write a review and rate this podcast. Um, someone I, I also, someone gave
0: me a three star review and I'm still stuck at four point nine and I can't get out of it. I don't know what I need to do. Uh, I'm so mad.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, well let me rephrase that. Write and review this podcast only if you're going to give a five star You can <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Um. I also search for special guests too. Oh, like if yeah. I randomly am like, I just I kind of have like a weird trivia brain. So sometimes my my brain will be like, oh, I wonder what Sandra O oh is doing. Let me see if she's been on any podcasts recently. So I kind of start there a lot, and then I'll find, you know, I'll find something through there.
0: Now, obviously, everyone and their mother has started a podcast nowadays. Have you yeah. ever had the idea of doing
1: one? I. I have had the idea of doing one. I I guess in my mind, sometimes sometimes I, my thoughts, I'll get lazy with things. And I don't mean lazy mm-hmm. as in like the normal lazy, like in my, my brain gets lazy. Like I'll be like, oh, this would be a lovely idea for a podcast. And then it's like, well, I don't have any podcast equipment, even though I guess you don't really need those things, but it's like, you know, There, the market is so, it's so huge. It's like, I I have a hard time convincing my things to myself to do things for fun these days. Totally. You know what I mean? It's a lot of, a lot of my brain has to do with like work. And it's like, if it's not, if it's not really work, it's kind of like, okay, well, what, what will we do this for? I love talking, obviously. But I um I probably should try a podcast and give it a go. I actually yeah. have a great idea for a podcast, which I'll tell you when right we're off the air because I don't want anyone to steal it.
0: I'm here for it. Okay. All right, so when it comes to drag, do you have any specific ins- inspirations, whether it's other drag artists, uh, celebrities? Uh, who inspires you?
1: Well, let's see. I think my first, first and foremost, I... My favorite thing to do is to sing live in drag. Sure. So I look a lot of uh, I look at a lot of cabaret artists for that inspiration. Um, You know, a lot of I mean, especially I've been doing drag long enough now that a lot of my inspirations are from my friends. You know, they're from people that I've watched coming up. And um, but uh, one of my biggest inspirations and something. I, her and I like are just kindred spirits but Bridget Everett is like a huge drag inspiration mm-hmm. for me like I sort of feel like her and Tammy are are like sisters or cousins I can see that um yeah so I like the way she hosts her shows and the kind of the kind of things she sings and stuff like that I get a lot of inspiration from her but my you know my favorite thing to do is sing but my my other favorite thing to do is just like hosting of course I love performing but I can sit on a mic for two hours and do two numbers, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I really love to do at my shows. I like to like, kind of sit and chat, make people laugh. Um, so that's my favorite thing to do.
0: So let's say you're getting ready for a gig. How do you decide what you're going to wear for the night?
1: Well, I think about what I haven't worn in a while. Okay. <laughs> Firstly, I also have to think about sort of what the gig is because I uh, keep my own horn, but I've, I kind of do everything, you know? I, I sing, I talk, I dance. I uh, I You know, I do a lot of things, but every show is a little different, you know? So, for example, like my brunch on Fire Island, it's it's a solo brunch, it's a two-hour show, and I don't leave the stage. So for a show like that, I can't really wear a gown. I have right. to wear something that is you know, either convertible or that I can dance in, move in. It's also 111 degrees out there. <laughs> right. So, you know, you have to think about that a little bit. So I, I kind of think of what the gig is because every gig is a little different. And I'm not just a singing queen that can walk in and sing in a gown. And, like, that's my whole gig. I kind of am expected to do a little bit of everything. So it makes Part. it a little more difficult. But a lot of my costumes are, are movable. You know, that's why you don't really see me in a lot of gowns and stuff. Um, but I am looking for, I'm looking for some collaborations with some new designers. So yeah. if anybody else is listening, hit me up because I'm, Are there, Is
0: there anyone that you have worked with that has been like a dream collaborator for you? For
1: either, oh for my either
0: gosh. hair or, yeah, or I, garments?
1: Yeah, I mean, Florence Lee is totally is my favorite. I love her so much. We're really good friends and she's just so talented. And she comes from a theatrical background, so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, in a circus background, and so it's it's all very it's all spectacle, it's all structured, and I I really love that aesthetic. Um, she obviously has blown up over over the past few years, so she's very busy, and so it's you know it's kind of one of those things. It's like I I always I have the complex now where I so many rue girls and everything happening. It's like, I sort of feel like I'm being a pain in the ass when I reach out to designers to commission things, which is just my own my own shit. But um, yeah, I've, I really love working with Florence. I've recently just started uh, getting hair. I recently just got hair from Madeline Hatter who just won the Glam mm-hmm. Award. Um, Misty Demeanor started doing hair a couple years ago and she's incredible. I've been getting some hair from her. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking to branch out. i I kind of get comfortable with what I know, um, sure. in terms of desires and things like that. So I'm definitely this summer, I'm looking to, you know, try some new things. So.
0: Absolutely. How would you say nightlife has evolved since you entered the scene? You said you started almost around a decade ago. Things have definitely yeah. changed a bit.
1: Yeah, it's definitely changed. I mean, I would say the biggest, definitely the biggest thing is the is drag you know the amount of drag um the concentration of it in New York City specifically um so I would say that's really the biggest the biggest deal when I started drag everything really wasn't about the drag queen it was kind of about about everything else and the drag queen was there to just add to the experience and now I feel like more than ever you know the entire experience of nightlife seems seems to come down to being about drag queens and a lot of bars and a lot of places like that which i think is great you know of course i love that i'm a drag queen um and i guess you know definitely in the last couple of years with covid and all of the all of the bars closing right now there is a whole renaissance happening in new york absolutely of of nightlife it's I mean it's happening as we speak you know we lost how many bars in COVID like four or five I think mm-hmm. and you know now now like three new bars have opened in the city four new bars there's more opening as we speak so the I think like the renaissance of New York right now is happening and it's definitely happening in nightlife I, I left you know I left the city sort of I guess a year and a half ago um, when COVID hit and kind of, this was my first time coming back to the city this winter in a little bit and it's just I mean the amount of people that I don't know you know like there there's a whole new wave of drag queens and DJs and it's just it's which is amazing it's awesome I yeah. love it but it definitely is different it's not the same when I was when I started drag in New York it was like the same cast of characters and it All was right. you knew everyone really well and you would go to their shows because you had always gone to their shows. And I would say that's definitely, there's definitely a lot more going on now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even for me being away this past year and having to just have a presence uh, virtually almost there, there were a lot of people who just popped up out of nowhere. I'm like, okay, who are you? Where did you come from? Why are you important? Why are you on doing all these gigs? Okay. Let's get you on the podcast and we're going to make a relationship this way. And that's how we'll, I'll get myself back in there um but yeah there's definitely been uh, there is a renaissance and, and i wouldn't say it's just because of you know the drag race and dragula and all the shows like that it's because they're it, it's people learning that they can express themselves through art in a in a different form
1: well a hundred percent i mean that's that's really how i got into being a full-time drag queen to begin with i was working you know really really well in Theater after I graduated high school and after my hairspray contract. And then all of a sudden, after a few years, everything just kind of stopped for me. I think I sort of hit that point in an actor's career where I was sort of too young, too young to play old and too old to play young. And I was non union. And so it was, it was this, I was just straddling this really strange place um, in the business. And that's when drag kind of came in. And then I started realizing that I could still do my, still perform, but it wasn't really on other people's terms. It was kind of, I was like, oh, I can just do my own shows. Like, Absolutely. you know, and I still, I still do some theater here and there. And it's, I, I'm actually want to next year after the summer, I really like want to start doing more, um, some more stage stuff. But yeah, I think, I think that's a lot of how drag queens get in get into it it's a lot of theater actors what
0: makes a drag artist have longevity in new york
1: well someone told me this when i first started drag and to this day it is the best advice i have ever gotten was always be the nice girl and I ran with that. I will say like, when I started drag, I thought, oh, I'm gonna be like, have this country persona and I'm just gonna be a bitch. And it just obviously didn't work for me. It's not really my personality and it doesn't really fit well on me. Um, not to say I can't be a bitch because I can't, but you know what I mean. Um, so from that point on, I just, I really, really worked hard and I have worked hard my whole career to, to not burn bridges. Let's put it Absolutely. that way. And, uh, you know, I, there are definitely, I'm sure people out there that don't like me and that's fine too, but there are very few people that can say, like, I won't work with her or she's like, difficult or, you know, whatever it is. And I've worked really hard for that. I, I try not to get involved in the drama. Um, so I, I would say that's my advice specifically, especially if anyone's just kind of getting going in nightlife is it's so important to, to never burn a bridge. And I'm, I'm an impulsive person, I'm emotional. So sometimes when I get pissed off, I do want to pop off and go crazy, but it's just not worth it. And, you know, I think For me, I mean, I've I've been doing drag, I guess, a decade almost in the city. And there are people that have been doing drag so much longer than me, obviously. But that's kind of the common denominator of everyone that works. All the girls, all of my sisters in the city that have have longevity. You know, they're all lovely. And they're entertaining. And as long as you show up and provide the entertainment and, you know, kind of do what you're hired to do. And be nice. It's just so easy to be nice. And if you have issues, you just deal with it professionally. And I think that I wish a lot, a lot more girls would have that advice because that is how you last. I mean, it's how you last in New York. New York doesn't put up with shit. Like nobody puts up with anything in New York. If you're if you're an asshole, if you're a guest in a show and you're an asshole, they just won't hire you again. And that's it. Yeah.
0: You've had a chance to entertain at so many venues, old and new, dead and alive. What are some of your favorites?
1: Mm-hmm. Um. I loved working at Barracuda. Mm-hmm. Barracuda was, from the time I started drag, Barracuda was just always a goal for me. It was always a goal to have a show there. And um, I did, I guess it was five, six years ago now, I finally got a residency at Barracuda. So I did Sunday nights there for three years, I think. Um, But I just, I love that. I love the space. I love that it feels like a living room. Um, I also love working. I love performing at Pieces. Um, Pieces is kind of, was kind of a lot of our like drag stomping grounds um, for my little group that I started drag with. Uh, we really like got our feet wet at pieces and twirled all around that place to be honest and all of our friends did do so uh yeah barracuda pieces um i i love working on all the venues in the city but those are two of my those are two of my favorite favorite places and now of course uh the queue and I, I bartended the queue a couple days a week so um but the queue is just really special. I really love what they've done there. I've done shows downstairs and upstairs there and all of the venues there are just really great. So awesome. those are probably my top three favorite places. What makes
0: a venue drag artist friendly?
1: Mm. Uh, do you mean like in aspects of performance? Like what, say... what makes it
0: good for a drag artist to wanna to work there?
1: Well, I would say having 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 built a a crowd that knows what they're getting into, hmm. that's really important. I think doing a show in a bar where people don't know they're walking into a drag show is always awkward, yeah. and and there are a lot of there are a lot of a lot of places that do that. Um, and I, because I you know you want people to be there to watch you, you want people totally. to know they're there to watch a drag show. So I think that's most important. But on the technical side of things, you got to have a place that has at least one decent light, at least one decent microphone, and at least one decent sound system. You know, it's, it's uh, the amount of times that I've, I've had, like, for example, if you do like a private gig, you know, you have to make sure that you have your what you need set up in advance because it's very common that people will be like oh can't you just sing a cappella, or the music oh, all we have is this little bluetooth speaker like it's it's like no we need you know we need the things that we need to make it successful exactly. i can't i can't dance my face off to a <laughs> uh you know a rink-eating bluetooth speaker i need a sound system so yeah give us give us the production honey and we'll give it back to you
0: now I know you took a little time and took a plunge in Hawaii.
1: What was that like? Hawaii was incredible. I um, just a little backstory. I went. So when COVID hit uh, in March of what year was it? Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. God, where are we? I know, right? Me? Um. So I spent I spent the spring in New York, and then I went out to Fire Island. Um, This is before anything opened, but I knew that I wanted to get out of the city and I knew that there, you know, the, none of the staff or people were going out there. So I knew that there was housing available. So I reached out to my connections and I, I was really lucky to get, to get a place that I could just rent and spend time out there. So I went to Fire Island and then ultimately we ended up getting the season going and we were we were like one of the first people to, perf- to start performing on the East Coast again, which was really, really cool. But we made that summer work, we worked our asses off, we went through guidelines, no guidelines, changing guidelines, and we did it all. And then halfway through that summer, my, one of my really good friends, Sable Cities, shout out to Sable Cities, um, who is, uh, she used to perform in New York, she performed in Portland, Austin. Um, But she had moved to Austin the same year that I started working on Fire Island. So we never actually got to know each other. But I had met her a couple of times when she had come to the island over the past years to perform. And we just kind of hit it off. And so she ended up coming back to Fire Island two summers ago to get out of Texas, because this is when Austin shut down, reopened, shut down again. And she was like, get me out of here. So she came to Fire Island. We obviously got very close. And then I would say halfway through the summer, you know, nobody really knew what was going on yet still. And New York was still sort of shitty and shut down. So Stable proposed to me that she was moving to Hawaii and asked if I wanted to go with her. So we went with a caravan of five of our friends and we moved to Kona on the big island. And I obviously didn't know and it had no job prospects. Um, and so I went there and I met, uh, Rocco and Curtis and Dick, who are the owners of my bar Kona, which they basically just run the gay scene. And it's, it's just so it's, it's incredible. They run an amazing bar and they, they're just pros and they just really got it going on, but there wasn't a lot of drag going on on the big island, there's a lot of drag in Oahu like in Honolulu and all that, but there's not really a lot of drag on the big island. So, um. You know, I headed off with them, and Sable and I kind of like embarked on this journey of kind of getting drag going on the Big Island on a regular basis, and so uh, it was incredible. I mean, it was it was the first time in you know eight years, I think, that I had performed for a crowd that had never seen me before, that knew nothing about me, that and it, it was just it was really amazing, and we inspired a bunch of people to sort of come out and learn about drag. And we spent that six, I, I was only there for six months. We spent that six months kind of getting some new programming off the ground, getting new people into the bar and ultimately turned some little baby drag queens out, honey. That's
0: awesome. So are you technically Absolutely. a drag mom then?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I do not have drag children. I don't want drag children. I'm a lovely auntie. And I'm a lovely big sister, but I, it is. yeah, I just, I think it's because I never had a drag mom. Like the whole thing is just, it's like, I have, I have my, my little drag messiahs that I go to when I need things, but in terms of like an actual drag mom, I don't know. I don't think I was meant for children.
0: That's fair. That's fair.
1: <laughs> so you
0: have become a comedy and parody icon for the best cabaret glam award winning shows alongside Tina Burner and Boots LaFerris. Ferris. You've done Witch Perfect. First Knives Club, How the Bitch Stole Christmas. Tell us about these shows. How did they come about?
1: Oh, yeah. These shows are so much fun. Um, Witch Perfect came about. So Witch Perfect is our baby. Um, this series is called the Cult Classic Series. Um, and we had this idea. This is all Tina Burner's creation in her brain, the, the, from, kind of from the ground up. She wanted to build a parody a live singing musical comedy parody based on called classic films. So we basically would take the script, rip it apart, and then add in live singing and have a music director that would arrange music for us to do all this stuff. So we did this with Switch Perfect, I think it's been four years ago now. And we started at Club Coming. Uh, you know, so we had this little tiny stage and It it, it was just this idea we had, and it just blew up in the city. It just blew up. We had, I mean, we did like six fold-out shows, and then we added two more. It was just crazy. The response was insane. And we loved doing it, you know, because it was really from our brains. And so from there, you know, the next year, we decided to give the First Knives Club a try. Um, And then we were kind of like, oh, we actually... You know, where this kind of works for us, and so that's kind of where we're at now. And then, of course, Tina got famous and fucked it all up for us. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's been really great. Um, this was our this was our fourth year doing Much Perfect. Um, we've done First Knife, Cl- Knife Club for two seasons now. Um, this was also the second How the Bitch Show Christmas but I wasn't part of the original cast, which was two years ago. Um. And then we have another show coming out. Um, and I guess I'll just give you the exclusive of what it is. Yeah, right I'm here, here for Locktop. it. So we're doing, we're doing Mother Dearest. Love it. Yeah, so we're doing a parody of Mommy Dearest. So that's the next one to shoot out of the canon. Um, and I guess keep your eyes peeled for dates on that. But yeah, it's just a fun, it's a fun way for us to be creative. We all love to sing live. So, and we can we can do whatever we want with it. And we kind of have a formula now. So we, we just make everything work for us. We make it work mm-hmm. in our voices. And Blake Allen is our music director and arranger. And he's incredible.
0: What is it about you as a trio that makes it click and to create like these drag masterpieces?
1: Well, we're all good friends. So that helps. Mm-hmm. We also fight like sisters. So that Naturally. probably helps. Uh, I think, Um, yeah, I just, I think when I remember when we were putting which perfect together, none of us, the three of us hadn't worked together all together. You know, I'd worked with Tina before I'd worked with Boosie before, but they probably worked together, but I never, we never all worked together, especially in a creative thing. And it was also Tina's the producer, you know, so it's kind of like, we're like, what are we walking into? Is this like a Tina has final say kind of thing, or she's you know does she have this whole thing planned out and what we found when we got together was that we actually put together much better shows when we all just sit at the table together and start totally. from scratch and just throw ideas out and i think because we are all so close and it's kind of impossible for us to offend each other or feel like someone's stepping on someone's toes or whatever like we don't really care about any of that shit. so we just kind of go for it and we throw every idea we have at the wall and you know sometimes they suck and you know it's it's whatever but it's it's really the process of like trial and error and you know sometimes we'll put stuff together and you know for for first knife club i remember like we went through like three different versions of that show because it 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 can be hard and there are some shows that movies that we want to do but it's it's got to be the right formula for three girls it's got to work for three girls you know and Mommy Dearest, for example, it's the first time that we're kind of visiting this thing of having a bunch of different characters. So I'm playing, I'm playing like four different characters in that mm-hmm. one. So it's the first time we're doing something like that. So we'll see how it goes. But I think honestly, the thing that's like fiery about us three working together is that we're really good friends, and we're all very talented, and we we all have something to bring to the table.
0: Absolutely, and having uh, uh, having theater backgrounds, I'm sure it helps as well to put these theatrical pieces together
1: a hundred percent you know Tina has Tina's been performing for 180 years and (laughs) uh you know Bootsy Bootsy has a musical theater degree as well I have a musical theater degree so we're all very you know we're all very versed in everything and we can talk music we can talk characters we can you know we can do all these things and um, I think I think, yeah, it's it's really like a perfect trifecta. I love working with those girls. I love it. Well, another year has come and gone, and it's already
0: basically that time for Fire yeah. Island. Um, you going back? What, what's going on?
1: Yes, honey. Of course I'm going back. Um, yeah, i I am super excited. This will be my sixth season on Fire Island. Um, and every year I am just gagged and baffled at the amount of homosexuals um i like to and, call it
0: the island of twinks and where dreams go to
1: die uh, very much that it's very much that uh yeah no fire island's amazing and I'm, I'm always surprised by the amount of people that haven't been to fire island which you know i get I, I i was in new york for a long time before i ever went to fire island but if you haven't been to fire island yet come on out this summer come and see us um i'm in cherry grove i work at cherries on the Bay it's the big circus tent right when you get off the ferry it's wonderful we have an amazing cast of girls there um and uh yeah it's great i'm i'm really excited i've done this will be my third full-time season and then i've also done three seasons where i commuted um so you know this will this this is we're going in on another full-time season so i'll be working at cherries and i also And doing three weekly gigs this year there. So you can catch me on Tuesday night. Um, I'll be doing nine o'clock until the middle of July. And then I'll be moving to 11 o'clock. Head of Lettuce will be coming in starting at
0: nine. Yeah.
1: So we'll be sharing Tuesday nights eventually. And then I do uh, brunch on Sunday, drag brunch, which is just so fun. It's a huge party. It's a great time. I love it. And I may or may not jump on a boat. You never know. And then um every other Sunday this summer, I'll be doing Cherokee, which is Cherry's karaoke, and I alternate hosting that weekly with Camilla Cochman.
0: Amazing. What makes Fire Island so special?
1: It's the, it's the community. It's really the community. It's um I'm a, I'm like a history, I've sort of in my old age become a history buff. Mm-hmm. Um I'm I'm sort of like obsessed with Finding things out about different places in Cherry Grove and the Pines and Fire Island in general is just one of those places. I've become obsessed with the history. The thing about specifically Cherry Grove is it's the reason that it's so magnetizing and that people want to come back year after year is because it's of its history. It's it, it's so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful places ever it has one of the best beaches you know on the east coast but it's completely filled with pain as well it's a lot of pain and a lot of happiness all in the same place and it's just one of those things that's like you really like feel you like feel for your elders in cherry grove and it's it's kind of one of those places where you don't want to go there and fuck it up so it's you know but there's there's no family like there is in fire island the people we work with I mean, we really go in and clock in there for about five or six months. And it's it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart by any means. It's really hard work. It's long hours. It's really hot. But there's something about like the Fire Island family that you just can't seem to get away from. You know, it's, there are people that have been working out there for 40 years. There are people uh-huh. that have been working out there for 10 years. It's just, once you, once you fit in and you, you kind of slide into the pocket there, it's really hard to pull yourself away. So I'm really excited to go back, especially after this winter, everyone's excited to go back. We're all chomping yeah. at the bit. So.
0: Yeah. I've only, I've only been twice for day trips. Um, and literally the first time I it was two years ago. Um, oh yeah.
1: You have to come out for a sleepover.
0: Yeah. Right. Went with a twink and the dreams went to die. Uh, that's, that's yes. exactly what happened. But yeah, it really was a really special place, and and it just it's it just feels like it's so secluded and it's your own special place. It really is was a great trip.
1: It Even feels it, the escape that you feel from the from the city is is crazy, and it's only an hour and a half away, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's like it doesn't it just doesn't feel like you're in New York, and it's really cool, and it's super queer, and the history is so rich, so. Um, you know, there's, there's a really great documentary I, I, that's been out for a few years by one of my friends in Cherry Grove. His name's Mike Fisher. It's called Cherry Grove Stories. So if you're ever, if you want to learn a little bit about Cherry Grove or kind of how we've come to be where we are today, it's a great documentary. I think it's on Amazon. Um, and it's, yeah, if you know the history of Cherry Grove before you come, it kind of makes it a little more special. So if you're a newcomer, come on out and see us this summer at Cherry's on the Bay. And Watch that documentary.
0: If you had the opportunity to have your own place in Cherry Grove, would you buy one?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I would love to own a house in Cherry Grove. I um, this is actually my first summer that I'm not going to be in staff housing out there. Mm-hmm. So I getting on a lease in Cherry Grove is kind of like winning the lottery a bit, just sure. because it's there's so many so many people that have been there for so long uh you know and so i i got really lucky at the end of last year and i was able to slide into a lease so i'm i'm really excited about that aspect of kind of having it changes your it changes your lifestyle there a little bit um it does feel like summer camp it feels like adult summer camp out there yeah and so i'm excited to sort of have like have a place this year that um as much as I love my coworkers, that I'm not living with six men in one bathroom, you know. See, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's yeah. No, I was just gonna say it's the charm of it all, though. It's the charm. Absolutely, we're gonna play a game. It's called
0: This or That. I'm gonna give you two options and simply just pick one. You ready? Right. Yeah. Beach or mountain. Beach. East coast or west coast. East coast. Day or night. Night. Train or plane. Lane coffee or tea coffee Facebook or Instagram
1: <laughs> Instagram
0: Drag Race UK or Drag Race US
1: oh god Michael why you do this to me I have to say oh god I don't know I can't pick between the two it's like choosing two children
0: that's fair that's fair all right here we go maddie or cassie oh my
1: god definitely maddie
0: mm-hmm. and finally mcsteamy or mcdreamy
1: oh uh, mcdreamy
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh wait no mcsteamy sorry McSteamy. sorry oh
0: okay you like okay so uh, now uh-huh. i would know why you watch euphoria oh yeah
1: after you <laughs> especially after euphoria we're doubling down on that maybe <laughs>
0: All right, we love to go behind the music and learn what is your signature number and how did it become your signature number?
1: Mm. My signature number, wow. I mean, this is this is kind of, I think I've had a, like a few over the years. I will say, I, I will say a number, the number that I'm probably most known for, over the years in the city is, it's the number that like everybody talks about. They're like, if they don't know who I am, they've heard of me because of this number. But I did the Miss LaQueen pageant. this was probably like five years ago now, maybe six years, maybe longer. I don't actually know what year I did that. But um, I did that and I did um, for my talent, I did an Ina Garten, uh, an Ina Garten cooking number, but it's a, with a little bit of a twist. I think it's on YouTube somewhere um but that's probably it was like ended in blood and gore and naturally, you know yeah Ina Garten covered in blood is you know kind of fierce so
0: Absolutely. that's
1: probably I would say the number that people remember about me the most when they think about it but I I think I people would probably also relate me to singing Glitter in the Air by Pink a lot I, I sing that song a lot I used to end like every show I did with it so if you've come to a Tammy show, you've probably heard me sing that song. I would say speaking, those two.
0: Speaking of singing, as a karaoke host, this is your opportunity to make a plea to future audiences. What song should they stop singing?
1: Sweet Caroline, you motherfuckers. <laughs> stop it. Nobody wants it. It's horrible. Yeah. It's
0: horrible. Yeah.
1: I, think it's, I Listen, I've I respect all music, but it's so overdone. It's so annoying. I hope I don't get any haters from this, but God it, it sweet so. Caroline. Please, Jesus, pick something else. Pick Cotton Eye Joe for God's sake. I'm here for what? it. If a straight white woman came up and put in Cotton Eye Joe and went on the stage and rapped the shit out of that and hit every lyric, I would give her a dollar. There it is. If you sign up for, if you sign up for Sweet Caroline at my karaoke, I'll take a dollar.
0: You should have to pay Tammy to do Sweet Caroline.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, music is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we are going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the tra- soundtrack to your life. This is Tammy's ultimate playlist. So I'm going to I'm give you a prompt cool. and you are going to give me a song that fits that prompt.
1: Okay. Hold on, All let right, me for... start my coffee. All right. I put my brain to work. Okay, hit it. First one, number one. A song from your childhood. Independence Day, Martina McBride.
0: A song that motivates you.
1: Raise Your Glass Pink.
0: A song that gets you in the mood to party.
1: Ooh. Hmm. Probably Raise Your Glass Pink. So let me go, let me rewind. What was the other one? A song that motivates me? mm mm-hmm. Uh, the show must go on. Love it. Lean beyond.
0: A song from the most recent concert
1: you attended. God, I just saw I just saw Dua Lipa on Monday. It was incredible. So hallucinate. A song from your
0: favorite musical.
1: Oh wow! See, this is another picking a child moment. <laughs> Um, let's say Back to Before from Ragtime. All right. A song
0: that reminds you of your first time in drag.
1: Out Tonight from Rent. It's the first love time it. I ever performed in drag.
0: A song that screams
1: love. Oh. Everything. The song that's like, say you love, love me forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That one. A song that reminds you of summer.
1: Oh. Uh, Malibu by Kim Petras.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the song that made you who you are.
1: Oh my gosh. Fancy by Reba McIntyre.
0: I'm here for it. I love it. (laughs) We're going to play another game. If you are not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. And we are going to play the Survivor Edition. Now, I know you're a big fan of Survivor. I am a huge fan of Survivor as well. Um, you'll have to come on for a recap because they recap the show um, on the podcast as well. Um, well. It's
1: about to come back, right? When does it start? Got two weeks, I think. Yeah, two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah. all oh right. my god, I hope I know all these. Okay,
0: you, I, I I picked some good ones, so I'll I'll, oh. I'll help you out if you need some help. So first one is Reem Daly or Erica Casapanen, our most recent winner.
1: Oh, probably Erica because she's the newest winner.
0: It is Erica. She is sixty dollars. Reem is fifty dollars wow next up sarah lacina or denise stapley
1: denise
0: yes denise is 60 sarah lacina is 49 this one's really shady uh josh canfield or reed kelly
1: oh my god oh god
0: i don't know probably reed it is reed reed is 40 josh canfield it's 18 dollars someone go help him out he needs help Uh, honey
1: my God, I feel like if I had a cameo, it would be more than $18.
0: <laughs> Next up, Ricard or Shan?
1: Probably Ricard.
0: It is Ricard. I am shocked. Yeah. He is 54. Shan is 49. I He's still think it's so. He's a gay. Of course it's more <sighs> expensive. But Shan was such good TV.
1: She was really she... good TV. She really, she really was. They got her out at the right time, though, because she would won the whole thing. And but listen, who else has
0: had their own theme song on Survivor? No one.
1: I know. She's here.
0: Next up, Kelly Wentworth or Michaela Bradshaw?
1: Ooh, Kelly Wentworth.
0: That's correct. $60. Michaela, $25. Wow. Next one, Corinne Kaplan or Sugar Kuiper? Oh my gosh.
1: Sugar. Oh no, Sugar?
0: It is Sugar. She is $79. Corinne is only $32. I may message her and be like, you got to up that price. Yeah. All right, next one. Johnny Fairplay or Russell Hance?
1: Johnny Fairplay.
0: Russell Hance is $200. Johnny Fairplay, $19. What? A dollar more than Josh Canfield. Holy wow, this is fascinating, Michael. Yeah. Next up, Rob Sesternino or Tyson Apostle?
1: Oh, I don't know. Tyson?
0: It is Tyson. Tyson is 119. Rob, who has a podcast, is only 49. Wow. Next, we have Kim Spradlin or Natalie Anderson?
1: Natalie Anderson.
0: Actually, Kim Spradlin at 130. Natalie is $50. Wow. Next, we have Eliza Orleans or Jonathan Penner?
1: Oh, God. Probably Eliza.
0: It is Eliza, $100. Jonathan Penner, $75. Next up, Ozzy Luth or Michelle Fitzgerald? Ozzy. It is Ozzy. He's 99. Michelle is 50. Next, we have Jay Starrett or Brett LaBelle? Brett? It's actually Jay at 70 and Brett is only 32. We got two legends coming up. Sari Fields or Jerry Manthe? Uh, Sari. It's actually Jerry at 100. Sari is 60. Richard Hatch or Parvati Shallow? Parvati. Absolutely. Parvati, 150. Richard Hatch, only 50.
1: I would kick her ass if she wasn't charging a million (laughs) dollars. She's my favorite player of all time, by the way. Ever, ever, ever. Ever. Parvati and Sandra are my two favorite players. All
0: right. Sandra Diaz Twine or Boston Rob Mariano?
1: Boston Rob Mariano.
0: 199. Sandra is 55. Wow. 199. Mm -hmm, Daddy. And finally, how much can you get a cameo from Coach for?
1: Oh, my gosh. I would probably say, I bet he doesn't charge as much as I think he does. I'm going to say $30.
0: $100.
1: Wow.
0: Listen, $100 for Coach Wisdom, not worth it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Honey, I got to be honest. These prices gagged me a little bit. They're all over the place. Oh, usually i do
0: it with the rue girls and they're kind of like they're not as delusional same. yeah <laughs> that's crazy i mean good for them it must be
1: working would you ever do survivor i would do survivor um I would do survivor i think for me like the social game of it i'm it, it's like i i would be I would be so thrilled honestly like the physical aspect of it is what makes me like a little nervous especially because i'm getting older but you know i think i don't know how long they have to prepare i think they have like three or three months or something to get ready once they find out they're on the show
0: it depends because you had tiffany last season who had a week
1: oh yeah she literally had a week she did say it she said that Mm -hmm. yeah see i mean Cause you have to like, you have to get your diet together. You have to get your yeah. body used to like not eating. Like I, they have like a whole survivor diet they go on. I know this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know what I'm waiting for? First of all, can we just talk about for one second? Jeff Probst, if you're listening to this, why has there not been a survivor documentary and why is there not a survivor book? Like no one, there isn't like a tell all about survivor or like a like a documentary i'm a huge documentary fan i would lose my shit if they released the documentary about i guess survivor. the
0: closest we get is like
1: ponderosa
0: and that but that's still not like really a documentary
1: and i love ponderosa it's one yeah. of my favorite parts of survivor but that's what i'm saying i guess maybe they're gonna wait until the show like doesn't run anymore to do mm-hmm. something like that because they have the footage from the very beginning oh, fully. you know like oh, backstage fully. footage and stuff so it's like they must be waiting until the show doesn't run anymore to do something like that.
0: Absolutely. Anywho. Where
1: do you say the state of drag in five years? I think that it's, I think that everything is, is moving. It's just going to keep moving more commercial. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I don't think drag race is going anywhere anytime soon, even though I have said over the past few years, like it might fade out, but I, at this, Point. I mean, there's no, there's like ten franchises. Like, it's not going anywhere. Um, I think that, I think that as time goes on, and we've seen this a lot, especially like, you know, even even with my career and the people that I've done drag with for years. Eventually, you find more and more people around you on Drag Race. You know, at this point, I have a bunch of friends that have been on Drag Race, and it's all this stuff. So I think it's just going to keep moving, and I think, um. I don't want to say that I think that don't think local drag is going to be like thriving because I think local drag will always thrive because yeah. there's always going to be tourism. There's always going to be like local drag will always be there, but I do think it's going to, I think it's going to be very commercial. It's going to just keep moving commercially. I
0: agree. I mean,
1: hopefully, hopefully there's, you know, hopefully we got movies and TV shows and
0: you know, I mean, at this
1: point, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Talk shows would be great. So yeah, I think that we'll see a lot more drag on mainstream media for sure.
0: How has the usage and necessity of social media evolved since you started on the scene?
1: Well, it's impossible, it's pretty impossible to be a working drag queen and not use your social media every day. Yeah. I will say I will say I for me it's very um it's my least favorite part about the job. I I love social media. I just it's I've it's fully become like you know about work at this point. I don't really do a lot of private stuff on social media anymore. But yeah, I would say that. I would say it's it's a necessity.
0: Yeah, I mean, if I could function without social media, I would be a much happier person. I fully know that about myself.
1: Oh, I know, I know. It's 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 rough. Like for me, for me being away
0: this past year like it it gave me the most fomo i've ever had in my entire life to be to see everyone out and doing and like when the, the everything was reopening i'm like I, I can't be part of that and i want to be part of it so badly maybe it helped me a little bit cuz i didn't catch covid again but um yeah i it, i just got such fomo and it, it brought me to, to this new place of depression that i had never been before but i really feel like social media has made me made us all different people
1: well a hundred percent i mean it's the only way anyone was in touch with each other for two years Mm -hmm. essentially you know so
0: it's i I
1: think it's necessary i think it's definitely necessary but you know there's like the great side of social media and the dark side so Mm -hmm. i just choose i don't i don't really share my personal life on social media it's really just kind of about my work at this point so
0: yeah I mean, for me, I'm glad there is at least on Instagram the close friends option. I'm not someone who's going to be posting the nudies on my close friends. That's where I usually <laughs> update, like with my the health issues and everything that I've been having. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really want it to be out there. Of course, when uh, when, the oh, thoughtless came out. when thoughtless came out, and thoughtless came out, and Jim uh, posted it on there, I was like, "Fuck you!" I didn't want everyone to know it, but fine, it is what. I'm, but it, it allowed yeah. me to at least speak about it, and people were like, "Oh, you're not an asshole. You weren't just ditching us." No, I wasn't.
1: Well, I'll say this, you know, I, um, so this year, which I, I did post about this. So a lot of, most people know Mm -hmm. about this, but I lost my mom in November and that's something that I wasn't really, I knew that I wanted to go to social media about it because I have, there are some things that it's, it's nice for people to sort of know what you're going through, especially if you work in public and I see people every day. I think sometimes it helps to have for somebody to sort of know what you're going through. But I will say a lot of social media is kind of like what pulled me through like a dark place with that because totally. you really, really feel the love on there, you know, when you're, when you're going through something. Um, but you know, the, the other side of it is that it's a pain in the ass and it's really negative. So I think there's definitely good and bad that it can do. but
0: Yeah. I mean, I lost my dad um, in, in, March of 2020, like the beginning of COVID, it wasn't COVID. Um, But like I, the the good thing with social media is all those posts and all those comments and messages are still there. So I find myself sometimes going back to them to at least remember what my my friends and my friends' parents and everyone had to say about my dad. And it's a way Uh to remember the pauses because he was going through some health issues. And that's the, those are the last things that I remember about him. So it's always it was a good way for me to um, connect with all the positive memories through other people's vantage points. So, that yeah, you're right. There are positives to social media. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to lighten this up and play everyone's favorite game. It is time for Tea Time. You are going to spill some tea, share some stories on some of your favorite sisters, friends, colleagues, people you shared a stage with, people you love, people you really hate. I don't know. We're going to find out. Are you ready?
1: oh my gosh yeah is this a prompted is this prompted do you like oh yeah so of course something? Uh, okay, listen great. i
0: i go through social media i go through all the tag photos i i, I go deep 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 so we'll, we'll we'll see um maybe maybe you love them maybe you hate them and we'll find out i just did an interview with someone who'd are like yeah i don't talk to them anymore i'm like are we keeping that in they're like yes please keep that in i was like yes mm-hmm. <laughs> all right we are going to start off with
1: camilla cockman Camilla Cockman, my sis. I love her so much. Uh, Camilla is, Camilla only started drag a couple years ago and she yeah. came out to Cherry Grove um, and she was working at Cherries as a server, I think first. And uh, she, she just, it, I mean, she's one of those people that it was just sort of like her calling to do drag. Yeah. She, w- w- honey, we threw her in a wig threw her on stage and it was over i mean that's honestly yeah. truly the story of camilla i love her so much she is a hard worker she her glow up is so amazing in like two years and she is i mean she's an incredible entertainer and you can see her this summer too on fire island i think she's doing the assassin show she does bingo i believe on wednesdays and then her and i alternate karaoke next up nick aga Oh my gosh! Another House of the Assassins member. Um, Nick is great. Nick and I just got started, really getting close this summer, um, because Nick started working at Cherries as well. So he's our resident, our resident uh, show DJ at Cherries on the Bay. So I love Nick a lot. Nick and I worked together every. My brunch was on Saturday last year, so every Saturday we would work together. Nick is one of those people that's just fascinating. He takes his drag very seriously. And, uh, you know, she's one of those, she's just, she's one of those workhorses. Like she'll do anything. She used to do the Ritz Saturday night, get out at, you know, what time? 4 a.m. And then she would be in Cherry Grove at like 11 a.m. for my brunch in drag. like it's she's she's a really hard worker great queen great entertainer she's also a chariots this summer comes to year next up kimmy moore kimmy moore my wild my wild sister um i love kimmy as well she's you know she's another one of those people like camilla she did we we met kimmy i guess what what was it i I don't want to misquote the years here but i think it was my second season on Fire Island, she did, we used to do a competition out there called So You Want a Job. And it's for drag queens to come perform and the winner gets a weekly, or gets a one-off show at Cherry's that summer. Um, and so she won that and she got did her show and it literally like sold out all the way to the end of the dock or something crazy. And so we're like, well, we have to just give her a weekly now. Right. So she just jumped right in and she's just another one of those people. She works her ass off. I mean, I think Kimmy's doing like six shows a week right now or something. Um, but she's incredible, another born performer. And guess who's next? Tina Burner. Boudoir LaFleur. We gotta finish out oh, the right. Assassins. Oh god. <laughs> Boudoir is like my I feel like Boudoir are like the aunties. Mm-hmm. We're like uh, you know. Boudoir's been performing a very long time. No shade on that, by the way. No shade at all. But um, she has a very long performing career out of dress. And um, she's just like, she's just, she's, she is somebody that is, has been doing this a long time. She's a no bullshit kind of gal. She's one of my best friends. I, we, you know, we can say anything to each other she is very opinionated and I think everyone knows that and she's not afraid to share her opinions, but Boudoir is a, is a good time gal. She's always a girl I can run with. Um, we spend a lot of time together in the summer and yeah, she's, she's shady as fuck. I love it. We spoke about her earlier,
0: Sable Cities.
1: Oh my God. Sable Cities. She's, she's just lovely. She's, um, you know, she, I think Sable's been doing drag for like, 15 years or 17 years or something crazy. Um, She's just, she's like a, she is one of my favorite people on the earth. She's just a ball of energy. She's a ball of light. She has, her drag is impeccable. She's won like every pageant you can think of. And she's one of those people I was saying earlier, that's like, I'm not a drag mother, but she's definitely like a big sister and a huge mentor to me. Next up,
0: one of my favorite drag queens on the planet,
1: Brenda Darling. Oh, Brenda. Well, Brenda's the, do- Brenda's the doll of New York City, you know. Um, I love Brenda so much. You will never, ever go to a Brenda Darling show and be disappointed. And she, she is actually, she's like my model that we were talking about earlier of never burning a bridge and being a nice girl. Okay. And that is Brenda Darling too with he. I mean, that girl has worked so long in New York City and no one has anything bad to say about her no like no one I mean you could ask anyone and they would have nothing bad to say about Brenda so that's just that just says everything about her right there
0: next we have another staple Pixie Aventura
1: oh I love Pixie Pixie uh Pixie is in my opinion one of the best entertainers in New York City always has been I love watching Pixie um, I think Pixie has a reputation for being a little bitchy and a little, a little short, and um, I don't, I don't think she would even care that I said that. I think, you know, people love Pixie and they love, they love going to her shows because she just puts on a good fucking show. Mm-hmm. Pixie at her core, because we are friends, and Pixie is just, uh, she's a sweetheart and she's a little teddy bear inside, but yeah. she does have a little bit of a zeal about her, and I think that just comes from you know, that comes from a lot of things. I mean, she, who knows? I, I, I don't know like her whole life, but you know, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of factors involved. She's probably put up with a lot of shit. She's been through a lot, but she's a true pro and she will show up, get the job done. And uh, if you, if you end up getting a moment to kind of get to know Pixie, she's quite lovely.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Next up Holly Box Springs.
1: Holly Brockspring, she's like my little twin sister. (laughs) Um, Holly and I literally started drag probably like the same week, I think. Um, So Holly and I have been running together from the very beginning. I just talked to her today on the phone. She's like one of my best friends in real life. And uh, I say real life, like drag isn't real life. Isn't that funny? Um, But she's, yeah, she's one of my best friends. She's another person that I spend a lot of time with in the summer. She's a she's a cherries girl as well, um, and yeah, I mean she's just she's one of those people that she, she, there's ever any stress with her. It's always good vibes. It's always bubbly, and she'll do anything for you.
0: Next up, Kareem McJagger.
1: Kareem McJagger. You're bringing up like all my friends. I love this. I just get to gush about my friends. Um, Kareem is incredible. Kareem McJagger is one of the most, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they just have like all the tenacity in the world. Like there's nothing that can, there's nothing that shuts Kareem McJagger down. That's what I'll say. Um, Kareem is always, always working to be better, always looking how to improve. We worked together for, I mean, we've worked together for years. We hosted, uh, we hosted at G Lunch together for a little while, and every, like every time we worked together was amazing. Um, Kareem is one of those people that will call you out on your bullshit with no hesitation, and it's, it's never unwarranted. Um, but I've learned a lot from Kareem you know, a lot of things that I didn't know that I needed to fix or needed to work on, and Kareem is one of those friends that does that in a great way of telling you, she, you know, she would say, hey, Judge, uh, I have a few few bones to pick with you, kind of thing, and it's like, okay, All girl, right. but I love Kareem, he's the best. Next up, Honey Davenport. Honey Davenport! Also a Kareem McJagger family member. Um. Oh. I love Honey. I love Honey. She's the best. Pageant queen. Fear. Entertainer. Sweet girl. Does anything for you. Um, Always a good time.
0: Yeah. Next up, Britta Filter.
1: Britta Filter is my, now that's my twin sister, Honey. (laughs) Um, I have so much love for Britta. Uh, Britta, again, Britta and I started drag together and we've we've had multiple shows together probably our most famous our most famous show was Stick Thursday the Boots and Saddle we did for a couple of years the late night slot on Thursdays um, that's kind of I think where I learned how to become a drag queen really um, but no Brit is the best i i have so much love i have so much love for her um, you know she's i i think that being in the public eye with drag race uh, I think it definitely affected her in a way that a lot of people weren't ex- expecting it to affect her sure. and I think that it kind of catapulted a lot of things in her life and her career um, but I she's just she's such a good bitch and she her drag is good she's a pro and she has perseverance I mean she, you know it's it's really hard to keep Britta down so I love her. Send her lots of love
0: next up bring her the axe Tina Burner
1: Tina Burner is a goddamn monster. <laughs> um, and no, I love Tina. Tina is a monster. She's amazing. She's like my big sister, you know. Uh, Tina and I probably started really getting close like four years ago. Um, Tina is by far, by far one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life. I mean, she's, she's paved her own career out from scratch and she, has obviously just taken it all the way um, to this day. I mean, but, you know, she's one of my best friends. We work together. We make money together. We play together. You know, we do a lot of things together. And she's one of those people that I would literally do anything for, you know? So um, just like a real, like, she's my real sister. I love her so much. She's, she's really harsh. And she, she doesn't really have a lot of time for bullshit. And I think that that's what makes her great.
0: Would you say she's the same person you knew prior to the show?
1: Oh, 100%. I love that. That's 100%. Important. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to wrap I don't it think up. She went, I don't think she went far enough on the show, personally. But <laughs> Hey, she's got
0: talent. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Bootsy LaFerris. I'm uh, sure you Gootsy, got tea there.
1: Bootsy's my good old country's bitch. I love her, too. I mean... Bootsy is Booty is like uh, she she's again she's like one of my good sisters. She's like we talk on the phone every day. I I see her all the time. Um she's just that person that like I I call I can call when I'm having a bad day. Like I can show up at her house bawling my eyes out. You know, it's like she's one of those kind of friends. Like we we work through a lot of issues in life together. Uh, we're full of advice for each other. We call each other to ask advice on things all the time. And she's another girl that, I mean, Bootsy's been doing drag for 15 years too. Um, So she's another person that, uh, you know, she's like, she's a really close friend, but she's also like a mentor for me in terms of bouncing ideas off of. And um, she's great. She's really smart and she's incredible. Go see her shows if you've never seen her before.
0: Let's say you are out of drag what is your go-to karaoke song
1: i love to sing uh the song sold the grundy county auction by john michael montgomery it's a country rap basically all right are you familiar
0: i'm not familiar with it i'm gonna have to listen to it after the podcast
1: yeah when everybody gets off this sucker go listen to it it's amazing it's great i'm gonna p- perform it this summer so if you come to my show you'll catch it
0: are you you're you must be a big country music fan
1: i grew up on i grew up on country music you know 90s country a lot of that that's my whole that was my whole inspiration mm-hmm. for music i think like the you know the divas of the 90s martini mcbride trisha yearwood Dave hill Uh, all those Shania Twain like all those girls are really like a big reason of why I love women and why I am a music fan
0: I I keep telling people I because I I, I'm someone who loves the Super Bowl halftime show I next year I'm ready for this Super Bowl halftime show to not offend anybody let it be Dolly Parton be the headliner let her bring out Reba McIntyre and Miley Cyrus everybody's covered no one's angry perfect show
1: absolutely who could get angry at that lineup nobody could i mean exactly. we could probably throw we could probably throw like a poc in there because that that might raise some eyebrows but honestly i would fucking live for that lineup bring bring in the bring in like the girls bring in the old school girls honey mm-hmm. i you think know with this
0: let little nazax come I...
1: out they could all do Dang. jolene they've all done I jolene think, no that's what i'm talking about no, I I think that's great. I would love to see like an old school Super Bowl. I mean, we just got one.
0: It really, sure You
1: know, it went it it went over well. Yeah, it was great.
0: If you fell down a rabbit hole on YouTube, what are you watching videos of?
1: Ooh, I usually go into I my YouTube rabbit holes are usually like musical theater performances, mm-hmm. I'm like here for it. like like recordings from like the bootleg performances from the stage. Uh Oh
0: yeah.
1: That was my obsession in high school so I was like I had this vendor online and I would order bootlegs and they would get shipped in an unmarked box to my house. (laughs)
0: I'm obsessed.
1: Yeah. If you had to
0: pick one New York City drag artist to be your partner on The Amazing Race who would it be?
1: Bootsy LaFerre. I'm here for it. Yeah.
0: I can see it. Bootsy
1: and I together on anything. I keep saying if we ever got on Drag Race together, it would be over.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. And this is a question from Novazar. Okay. If you can change one thing about New York City, what would it be?
1: Probably the homelessness. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of the darkest part of the city. I agree. It's it's rough. It's it's a rough situation for everyone involved, really.
0: Well, now is your turn to ask my next guest a question. And it can be about anything you want.
1: My question to your next guest is, when is the last time you had an orgasm?
0: All right. I'm excited to hear that answer. I love (laughs) it. Well, we're always here trying to expand the Block Talk family. Who would you like to hear an interview from?
1: Oh. Oh, um, you know who I think would be really fun? There's actually, can I give you two, sure. two people that I think would be really great? I think it would be great to interview Daniel Nardicchio because he's had such a career, a long career in promoting. And also I think Frankie Sharp would be a great interview. I'm here for it. Really my boss at the Q and he's also been a promoter for a long time. And he, he just opened a club, Daniel's opening a club. But I think those two would be really fun to do interviews. I'm here with. for it.
0: I would love to hear yeah. their stories. Yeah. Well, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to continue to plug?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm I'm mostly you know I'm mostly just on Instagram, um, but my Instagram is at Tammy Steanks T-A-M-M-Y S-T-A-N-X. That's also my Venmo, and Facebook. Uh, you can. It's that weird spelling S T E N K S, but. I really, you know, I kind of just throw, throw flyers up on Facebook. So pretty much anything that's on my Facebook is on my Instagram.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad to have
1: you on. Oh, thanks so much. This is lovely. You're a great host, Michael. Thank you.
0: A giant thanks to Tammy for coming on. Subscribe on Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blogtalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theknowthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.